Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David continues our Who Me series with a look at Jonah, who we find in the belly of the fish. Let's listen. All right, so in December, I got to run my half marathon that I've been telling you about and you've been asking about. It was uh, so kind of you and my goal was to run it in under two hours. And so I'm thankful to say I ran it in an hour and 48. And afterwards, about a week afterwards, the uh, uh, people who organized it uh, sent an email to say, hey, guess what? We had a professional photographer there uh, who took pictures. Why don't you go see if they took pictures of you? And my first thought was, why would I want to do that? I'm going to be sweaty. I'm going to be out of breath. I don't really want to take pictures or have myself uh, remembered looking like that. But curiosity got the best of me. And, and so I, I clicked and found a couple of photos. I want to show you two today because each photo shows a very different but authentic emotion that I was feeling somewhere along that race of completing those 13 miles. Here's the first photo. Let's see if you can find the emotion. Happiness, right? Joy. Okay, this is a fun one because that is the moment that I can see the finish line. I know that I am about to be done running, that my body will get to rest and relax. I am this close to all of that. And that's the moment that I see my family. You see, my family was waiting for me at the finish line. They were cheering me on. So that's why I'm waving to them going, oh, great. They're here. I'm almost done running. That is just pure, authentic joy on my face. Now, the second photo is uh, maybe the opposite uh, of this one. Let's go ahead and show that one now. <laughs> this was also a true emotion during that race. This is just pure exhaustion. Uh, that's a, a point in the race where I thought, oh, if I could just lay down here and be done running, maybe someone would come revive me, pour some Gatorade in my mouth. I, I don't know. But this was a moment where I was so tired and I wondered, can I keep going? Can I keep running? Can I make it to that finish line? Now, what I love about this is that both exhaustion and, and joy were authentic parts of that running experience. And really, I think those are authentic experiences in our life as well. You'll have times where life's just going exactly how you want it to go, where you are filled with happiness, where you say, this is just perfect. And then there will be other times that you need perseverance to get through. There'll be moments that you have to gut through that are not joyful, but you say, I'm going to get through it because this is all I know how to do. We, as people, have the human experience of both of these things. So my question, what I want us to study today is how can we identify the presence of God in both situations? No matter if you're in joy or if you're really struggling, how can you identify the presence of God in your life? Now, to help us explore this, we are continuing with the, the study of Jonah. And if you were with us last week, then you might remember that Jonah had just been thrown off of the ship. He was in the middle of the storm, and he said, this is because of me. I ran away from God. And so if you want to survive, talking to the sailors, 
you need to throw me off of this ship. And so they do. And that turns into one of Jonah's lowest moments in his life. I mean, he's facing the wind and the rain and the current. And Jonah believed this was the end for him. But you might remember the very last verse of chapter one says this, but the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Okay, you read that and you must think, what would it be like to be in the belly of a fish? I mean, how is that even possible? And people have gone to great lengths to try to understand scientifically how something like this in scripture could happen, how a person could actually be swallowed by a fish or a whale. And, you know, there have been stories. I I do research for these sermons and I research, okay, has this ever actually occurred? Just a couple of weeks, or not weeks, years ago, there was a fisherman in Spain and he fell off his boat. He fell overboard during a storm. The Coast Guard was called out. They looked for him. They couldn't find him. Three days go by, and then he pops up on shore, claiming that he had been swallowed by a whale. Or this one we actually have photo evidence of. In 2019, there was a person, he was a diver, and he was off the coast of South Africa, and he was photographing sardines. And he's sharing this moment where he's photographing all these fish and all of a sudden everything becomes very dark. He's not sure what's happening. Someone else from the this coast was taking photos as well and captured this photograph. Let's go ahead and show it. Now you're not gonna see what's happening right away. It all just kind of looks dark. But what I wanna draw your attention to is the, the purple markings down here are flippers and the green is actually a belt And this is the lower half of a body that's going inside of a whale. So what happened in this moment was he is photographing sardines and the whale is going to eat sardines. It just comes in to take a big gulp, doesn't realize there's a person there. Now, lucky for him, he went and spit out the person right away instead of swallowing him. And the man lived to tell the story. So you've got some strange tales out there when it deals with the ocean. But I I actually view these attempts to understand how a person could survive being swallowed by a whale as a little bit misguided. Because the main point of this part of the story of Jonah is that Jonah's survival in the belly of a fish is a miracle. It is a miracle in the same grouping as Jesus feeding 5,000 people with just two loaves or two fish and five loaves of bread. Neither of those things are possible for us. But for God, if God wants them to be so, then God will make them possible. That is essentially the definition of a miracle. When something is impossible for us, but God decides to make the impossible possible. Now, It's obviously the intent of the author as he's telling this story to say this fish was not random. This fish was from God, which is why he says the Lord provided this large fish. And so as we re-engage with this story, I want us to wonder what's the first thing that Jonah does after being swallowed by a fish? What do you think the first thing 
you would do is when you realize what has happened, when you're in the belly of a fish, what's the very first thing you would do? Well, for Jonah, he prays. Here's chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to his God from the belly of the fish. Honestly, I think praying is a very good first thing to do if you see that you've been swallowed by a fish. I mean, don't you? He goes directly to God. And it makes me wonder, what's the strangest place you've ever prayed? What's the strangest location where all of the sudden you were moved to pray? That you remembered God's presence and you wanted in that moment to begin a conversation, to talk with God. If you've got any really interesting locations, please email me. I'd love to compile some of these and share the different places that we have been moved to pray. But for Jonah, he's in the belly of a fish and he is praying to God. Now in this belly, it is probably dark. It is probably smelly. It is probably very cramped, but he is alive. That's the big thing for Jonah, that he has not drowned. Just as he thought he would drown, God rescued him. He spends the rest of the prayer kind of recounting what has happened. Here's the next verse. It says, he prayed, in trouble, deep trouble, I prayed to God, and he answered me. From the belly of the grave, I cried, help, and you heard my cry. Yes, Jonah's prayer here is a prayer of deliverance. Uh, Jonah is in what he describes as the belly of the grave. You see, he knew that he was this close to drowning. He was this close to going to the grave. And the only prayer that he had left, the only prayer that he could muster in his moment of deep trouble is help. It's not even a two-word prayer. That's just one word that he utters up to God. And I really like that because it makes me think that when we're in deep trouble, when we're in those times where we don't know where to turn, we can turn to God. And you don't need the most poetic, flowery prayer out there. All you need is to say, God, help. I can't do this right now. I can't figure this out on my own right now. God, I need you. And so as Jonah prays, he begins to reflect on what has just happened to him. Next verse says, he's talking to God. He says, you threw me into the ocean's depths, into a watery grave, and the currents swirled about me, and all your waves and breakers crashed over me. I hope you're able to imagine this vivid scene in front of you. Uh, this is the moment that Jonah is thrown overboard, and he is treading water. And I imagine that he's treading water for as long as his aching muscles can do so. Uh, I take my girls to the pool pretty often in the summer. And then obviously in the winter, we've got this little indoor pool we can do. But when you get to those times where you're treading for a long time, the fatigue hits fast, doesn't it? And when it hits, you're like, oh, I need to go to the side. Can you imagine being in a place where you couldn't go to the side? There was no side of the pool for you to swim to. You're out in the middle of the sea and wave after wave is crashing over you. This is Jonah's situation. And he's doing his best to keep his head above water, 
waves keep coming, crashing one after the next, after the next. And at the moment where he just knows that his muscles are too tired to continue, that he is not going to be able to continue treading water for much longer, in that moment, he is filled with regret. He says next, I said, I've been banished from your sight. I'll never again lay eyes on your holy temple. Yes, Jonah, near what he thinks is the end of his life, believes he has let God down. He believes that his drowning is punishment for disobeying God. Remember, God told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and, and Jonah ran in the opposite direction. And now he finds himself in this situation. He's saying this must be because of God's anger. It must be because I've let God down. We know from the outside here, reading this story, that that is not the case. That God is not judging Jonah in this situation. God is trying to get Jonah's attention, to get him back on track. But in this moment, as he's floating water and in nose, that he's about to go under, Jonah thinks God has abandoned him. And in that moment, his muscles give out. He begins to sink. And I cannot imagine how terrifying it would have been to realize that you can't fight any longer. Here's how Jonah describes that feeling. He says, Ocean ripped me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held tight. My head was all tangled in seaweed at the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. I was as far down as a body can go, and the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Jonah is about to drown. He uses the term, I imagine, the gates slamming shut behind me. Uh, we might say something like, I could feel the life leaving my body, leaving my fingers. And Jonah says he's tangled in, in seaweed. He's floated down to the bottom of the ocean. He simply knows he cannot hold his breath any longer. The next breath that Jonah takes is going to be full of ocean water. Have you ever been in this situation before? Now, no, I don't mean on the cusp of drowning. But what about when the mountains of stress in your life feel just too much to bear? Or what about those moments when circumstances are bordering on overwhelming for you? Uh, what about when you toss and turn all night because you're consumed by problems that seem unsolvable? What about those moments that you are at your lowest point? That's where Jonah is in this moment. And I firmly believe that that we have moments like that in our lives too. But when you are at that point, there's always the possibility of a turning point. And here's what I mean by that. The turning point in a person's life, when you've got nowhere else to turn, you don't know what else to do, the turning point is when we remember God's presence and power in our lives. That God is here. And that if God is here, then anything out there is something I can face. Anything that's going on, any stress in my life, anything that's going to overcome me is something that I can face because of the presence and power of God. When we remember that, 
when we realize that, that can become a turning point in our situation where we turn back to God, when we partner with God to get us through whatever it is that we are facing in that moment. This is what happens with Jonah. Jonah has a breakthrough and God rescues him. The next verse says, Yet you pulled me from that grave alive. Oh God, my God, when my life was slipping away, I remembered God and my prayer got through to you, made it all the way to your holy temple. Yes, God pulled up Jonah from the grave. The moment that Jonah thought he was about to drown, he instead was rescued by God. Now, how does God choose to rescue Jonah? Well, it's by sending a fish to swallow him. God does work in mysterious ways, right? And the fish swallows him, again, not to eat him, but to shelter him. And in this way, God sent the fish as an act of grace in Jonah's life. I find that God's grace often shows up in unexpected ways. I mean, just when you least expect it, there is a sign that is presented to you that God is there, that God is present, and that God's love is for you. I I believe that God's love is going to show up in our lives even when you are not looking for it, even when you are not anticipating it, and sometimes, even if you don't really want it, God is always seeking to find a way to show you a sign of God's love. It makes me wonder, what would it look like if we actively started looking for those signs, those signs of grace and love of God in our lives because they are there, and they were here when Jonah needed it most. Jonah now recognizes that God is not abandoning him. God is not judging him. God has not banished him. But God's love and grace is for him. When he realizes that, here's his conclusion. He says, those who worship hollow gods and worthless idols walk away from their only true love. I love that. Thinking of God as our only true love. But I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving. And I'll do what I promised I'd do. Salvation belongs to God. And imagine this. Jonah is declaring all of this from the belly of a fish. He's still in that dark and smelly and cramped stomach. And yet in that moment, he is recommitting his life to God. Because he has realized that what the fish represents is that God is not done with him yet. What the fish means is that God hasn't just let him float on his own, that God is still for him, and God has a purpose for him. And when Jonah realizes that, he says, I will never again walk away from my only true love. He will worship God and do what he promised to do, uh, namely, going to Nineveh. Yes, so Jonah recommits his life to God. And it makes me wonder, does anyone in here need to recommit their life to God as well? To recommit to God is to say, God, I know that there are times that I have strayed. There are times that I've forgotten you, that I've forgotten that your presence and power is with me every moment of every day. But God, 
no more. Today, I'm going to live for you 100%. Today, I'm committing to go wherever it is that you are leading me. God, today, I am going to do my best to remember your presence always and often. We all have that opportunity to recommit our very lives, our very selves to God from this moment on. This is what Jonah does in the belly of a fish. And what does he learn from this situation? From this whole experience that he just went through, what does he really learn? I, I think the thing that he learns most is that God's unstoppable love will find him no matter where he goes. Even if he's at the bottom of an ocean, even if he's in the belly of a fish, God's unstoppable love will find him. And that is true for you as well. When we come to realize this, like really realize this in our hearts, I think we've got then options. Because when you are in those tough moments, and again, just like the race that I ran, you're going to have good moments, you're going to have tough moments. In those tough moments, there are often two choices that are in front of you. The first choice, the easy choice, is to blame and complain. Uh, this choice, when things are not going right, is to blame anybody else for what has happened to you. It is to complain about the circumstance of life that you find yourself in. Jonah could have easily gone down this road. I mean, he could have said to God, God, you're the one who asked me to go to Nineveh. You're the one who caused all of this. I'm blaming you. Or he could have said to the sailors, sailors, this is all your fault. You're the experts. You never should have let me on that boat. You know, our, the easiest thing in life is to blame and complain. But how you respond to disappointment is so important because it is going to affect your heart over the long term. An attitude of blaming and complaining, I think that fatigues the heart. It makes us feel like a victim and it, we become then powerless over the world around us. Or... You can choose option B. Instead of blaming and complaining, option B would be to trust and proclaim. To trust that God's grace will find you. Now, this is a simple affirmation, and yet it is so powerful. It's the affirmation that no matter what you go through, no matter what's happening in your life, that God's grace is actively seeking you. That God's grace will find you and that God is working for your good in every circumstance of life. It's the affirmation to say that God's grace is present in that newborn's cry, that God's grace is present in sorrow and in dancing, that God's grace is there evident in the creation of our world all the way up to the cross. In both situations, God's grace is here. With every breath that you take, God's grace is there for you. And so as Christians, we do not blame and complain, but we stand up and proclaim that God's grace is here, is present, and can be the turning point in our life when we need it most. Jonah has found that to be true in his life. Now, while Jonah is thinking and praying, the fish has been swimming, swimming all the way back to where he started. And here is the last verse in chapter 2. It says, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. 
Yes, God answers prayers in unique and unexpected ways. Doesn't God? So now you have Jonah, covered in vomit, probably severely malnourished from three days of not eating, and yet his soul is revitalized. His spirit is recommitted because he knows who his God is and what God is asking him to do. And so what is Jonah going to do next now that he is revitalized? Well, you'll have to come next week to find out. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.